Welcome to a special 2018 North American Summit edition of What's Next, Cornette Global's podcast that puts members on the mic for thought-provoking, profession-shaping conversations and commentary. In this episode, recorded at our podcast parlor in Boston, you'll hear four attendees discuss furniture as a service and how it supports space as a service. Well, guys, it's great to be here at the Cornette Global Conference in Boston. I know that we all agree that there's just so much excitement and energy around commercial real estate these days, and it's really a pleasure to be here. Um, we're going to talk about furniture as a service and how it relates to and supports space as a service. Uh, flex space, space as a service, and furniture as a service is really a hot topic these days. So our squad today consists of four very energized teammates from Court. And Court, for those of you who don't know us, is, we're an international firm. We're part of the Berkshire Hathaway family. And we're the world's largest provider of transition solutions. So we're going to share a few thoughts from our perspective of how we work every single day to support change in the commercial real estate landscape. I'm Melanie Jones. I work closely with commercial real estate teams, uh, end user and tech companies in Atlanta, Georgia. And I'm also a brand new board member of Cornet in Atlanta. And with me today, I'm gonna to introduce my fellow colleagues. So uh, thanks for being the uh, moderator today, Melanie. You're welcome. I really appreciate it. Uh, my name is Greg Copeland. Uh, I've been at Court for nine years. I'm one of our directors of strategic business development, and I support our national customers, CRE included, in the northern central and mid-Atlantic markets. Awesome. Hey, my name is Maggie. I live in the D.C. area, and I am on the same team with Greg. Um, I'm a strategic account manager managing over national accounts, so I'm helping customers in their workplace endeavors and also with relocation services, and helping people get settled in on temporary assignments. And my name is Eli Isatol. I'm with the uh, I'm sorry, I'm with Washington uh, area. I, uh, I oversee the workplace business development executive. Uh, I handle the D.C. area, uh, and so Washington. I know they in Virginia and Washington. Excellent. So, Guys, let's start our chat today talking about space as a service. And one of the definitions of it is providing companies and people with space on demand for as long as they need it and no longer. So let's just talk about from our perspective how we're seeing this play out in the commercial uh, real estate landscape from a client perspective of our clients. Well, that's a great starting question for our podcast today, Melanie. But, you know, as it relates from our client perspective, you know, it's really the evolution of creating a quick go-to-market type get-it-now uh, solution, which, you know, giving our CRE customers the ability to create, test, implement spaces in a very short period of time. But, it, you know, it also allows them to have the ability to go to market with client-driven solutions faster which, you know, in turn, a successful implementation creates more value for the CRE company and with their customer, which then creates additional opportunities to generate new revenue. Yeah. I think we're seeing also a lot more freelance workers and entrepreneurs. So 
In this case, you may have one to three people starting a company and they don't have dedicated real estate or office management teams yet. Yeah. So they're looking for something that they can quickly move into and get up and running without worrying about setting up all these additional vendors and services. Yeah, so I it's agree. It's really important to just have a space that they can move in and get to work right away. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, I'm a really big fan of Anthony Slumbers. He's based out of London and he's a, mm -hmm. a tech guy that's disrupting commercial real estate. And in a recent blog, I'm gonna read a quote. He said, what if all this talk about space as a service and the real estate industry moving from one being focused on selling a product to one built around delivering a service actually comes to pass? You know, it's, and it's pretty thought provoking of the, the buildings being a service instead of maybe an investment vehicle, for example. So how do you see this furniture as a service model complement the migration? So the furniture as a service model, I mean, if you really break it down, the simplicity of it is it's like Netflix. You know, you select what you want, you order it, you use it, and then when you're done with it, you return it back to us or any of the other furniture rental uh, companies out there, but primarily us. Yes. It, you know, it is designed to be changeable, flexible, and, and completely to your original point, service-oriented. You know, think about it this way. You, you have a CRE customer, they're able to find a space, design it, and then furnish the space with our furniture as a service model um, within a couple weeks versus kind of that historical trend of waiting, designing, mailing plans back and forth to each other, and then the building gets developed and built out over a couple months. You know, co-working is actually a really great example of this. You know, you have the access now. It's a membership-based. You scan your card to get in. You have the ability or the co-working groups have the ability to change things up quickly based on their client needs. And on the back end, the customer has the flexibility of getting up and just leaving when their need for the space is over with. So. And, and I've had a couple of clients recently where they're actually using a co-working space as a swing space, but the co-working space doesn't provide enough furniture for the duration or to accommodate the people. So. Court services is perfect for that. We're in there quick and the furniture's gone when they're done with it. And on that note, I think that we're seeing more people leverage vacant space. Mm -hmm. Instead of just having spaces sit there, we're changing them into tenant amenities. So I've seen Good people point. put in charging stations with tables or areas where people can just sit with their laptops, change things into co-working. I think that the operators are realizing that they can take that space and really create a better customer experience by just a few quick tweaks. Yeah, agree. Well, we're, we're using the word change quite a few times. So there are many ways that commercial real estate is changing and liquid space is one example that I, I like to talk about, um, that they're a technology driven solution that's providing a digital workflow for lease execution. So. What technology trends are y'all noticing and how is Court involved in supporting change in that area? Well, I mean, I think the easy evolution of this is how we go to customer meetings now versus how we went to customer meetings 10 years ago. Yeah. You know, now instead of having to book a flight and a car and a hotel, you can just set something up through a WebEx meeting and have almost the same amount of impact because you can see each other face to face. But even if you do travel, you know, you travel by buying a flight on an aggregated system to give you the best price, then you land, and instead of hailing a cab and paying cash, 
you're going to go open up your phone, open up an app, and request Uber to get it now or Lyft or any of the other um, type of, of car companies like that. And then when you get to your meeting, you actually walk up to a reception desk that's just an iPad. And then you sign in yourself, you check in, that scans a badge. The person you're there to meet, you go to a, a meeting room and you scan yourself into the meeting room and then you sit down and they know exactly where you are. They track your walking patterns, they track the efficiency of the space being used and then they also provide you all the technology on the front end of what you're going to need for your presentation. So, I mean, it's really, really um, fascinating stuff. And then at Court, you know, we've actually collaborated with Tapped In, a, a mobile uh, space utilization group to leverage occupancy usage and employee behavioral data to really help make design recommendations to our, our CRE partners. And, um, and that, that really supports what Court's all about too, the flexibility of the furniture, changing oh yeah. that up as needed based on uh, that data. Right, and it, and it almost is taking it from, you know, on the technology side, from just a complete needs-based model to that mix of what are the employees and what are the clients actually want, and then driving that back in and mixing back into the need. Okay. And I think that's where we come into play because it's so flexible where rather than buying those assets, we're able to realize that maybe HR and finance talk to each other more than, let's say, marketing and finance. So we're able to then go in and put in workstations, benching, co-working type environments within an office. Absolutely. All right. So flex space is defined in different ways these days, but all indications point to really a mighty shift towards more of it. Um, Eli, what kind of flex space projects are you seeing in the DC area? Well, uh, flex space is the overarching descriptor for a uh, variety of working spots, amenities based uh, nooks and crannies, incubators, even spilling over to plug and play offices. So uh, we are seeing a shift away from the traditional office. Uh, more industrial retail spaces and are being used as as office and co-working and with sleek and modern furniture you're really able to make a warehouse space feel like a nice office we are also seeing more and more mixed-use development projects but that mixed-use mindset carries into office design all right so uh, I met with a client not long ago and he said, you know what, millennials should never own anything. And uh, I thought that was kind of interesting and it, it leads us into ideas about the sharing economy. So do you have any recommendations or stories about businesses wanting to stay asset light and conserve capital kind of around that mentality? Yes, absolutely. I, th I think we see this a lot with uh, the finance and the insurance industry. Um, they are constantly testing new cities, uh, and if a branch isn't performing well, uh, particularly well in a certain market, that company uh, needs to be able to quickly pivot, if you will. So uh, you can't do that when you're sitting on a tens of thousands or hundred thousands of dollars of assets. Uh, so we're, we see this in a, in a startup community where every dollar matters. We encourage new companies to put their capital in expanding rather than hard goods. Awesome. So we're about out of time. Give us a little summary of, of court and uh, how, you know, how we're playing an in, important part in the commercial real estate arena right now, Craig. Well, I mean, it really is the overarching 
kind of mission of ours, you know, to be the indispensable resource to people and companies who are looking to make a house a home, an office a great place to work, and in an event a, a memorable celebration. Uh, we accomplish this by listening, learning, and providing exceptional value to our customers, and we empower our team to deliver an extraordinary customer experience every time. And I think wrapping that into this model of SaaS and FAST is, is really, really special. We just also wanted to say thank you to Cornet Global for the opportunity to, to participate in the podcast. So good job, guys. Thank you. Thank you. This concludes this episode of What's Next. Want to record a podcast of your own? Have an idea or point of view you'd like to share? Visit cornetglobal.org to learn more.